Hey, welcome to Rewind, a place where old guys can talk. Well, here we are again, talking to my brother Jeff Davis on Rewind, and uh, we got some topics we want to cover. Uh, first, we've been talking about the polar bear plunge that they have here in Sheboygan, Wisconsin on January 1st every year. And I was telling them about uh, all the uh, young people that would jump in the water. And, and I said, I chickened out. A guy wanted me to go jump in. But uh, as my brother said, I shouldn't do that. And uh, do they do that up in Duluth, Jeff? Oh, well, I'm sure they do. I, it, anywhere it's cold, they do it, right? And there's uh-huh. water. Uh-huh. Minnesota has 10,000 lakes, so there's a lot of opportunity up there to do that. Well, you guys got Lake Superior up there, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's not frozen over either. No, I've only seen Lake Michigan frozen over one time. So, I, you know, I'm sure they have they have a festival for it. I'm not I'm not sure when I as so, but I met a guy at Planet Fitness. His name was uh, last name was Metink. That's a common Dutch name. There's a lot of Dutch people around here. And uh, he showed me, or he said he had, didn't show me, he had pictures of his grandmother in a horse and buggy out on Lake Michigan, frozen over. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what are those, uh, what are those um, um, boats that they use on the, in, the Ever, in the Everglades? What are those things called with the big fan on the back? Oh, those airboats? Yeah, those airboats. Yeah. <clears throat> I think, um, have you ever been up to, like, Mac, uh, up to, uh, geez, I can't think of it now. The Mackinac Island, up by uh, by Ashland, Wisconsin, that way where they have the Apple Festival every year here. Uh huh. You know, people. You know, they're the. You can take a ferry out there in the summer. You know, people live out on that island, and then it's kind of like a strait, and it and it freezes over. And for these people to to come back over to the mainland, I think they have to take one of those uh, those boats with a fan on it. Hmm. So. Well, you know, I've met some interesting people around here, but I met a guy named Bill. I won't use his last name, uh, but he grew Davis? up. <laughs> no, no. Bill Davis is our dad. You know that. Um, no, his name is Bill um, Jepson is his last name. Anyway, he grew up on Washington Island here in Lake Michigan, and uh, his dad had kind of a farm at slash job, and he, they lived kind of a primitive life. But he was telling me that, uh, you know, he had uh, a duck, he had a goat, he had a sheep, he had all these animals that that when he would walk to school, these animals would follow behind him. Really? Yeah, what was that movie that there was that guy uh, that had that happen? But anyway, so Jeff, you were an EMT. Does that stand for extra terrestrial something whatever what, what yes did, what, what did you do as an emt did you drive the the meat wagon yeah I, I did that or i did a lot of patient i did a lot of patient care out on the on the highway did you uh when you didn't have anybody in the back did you guys turn the siren on and go fast just to get home quick did you ever, did you ever break the law doing that they broke the law all the time <laughs> <laughs> Always, you know, one, always wonder about just, people just, with just, sirens, you know. Just because you, just because you, uh, just because you have an ambulance, mm-hmm. and just because you have sirens and lights on it, 
yeah. does not mean that you, that you can't follow, that you're supposed to follow the law. So <clears throat> if um, the speed limit is 55, yeah. then you should be going 55. Even if you got your ambulance that, lights on. Even if you got your lights on. Yeah, all, your, all the lights you're doing is making other um, drivers or pedestrians aware that, you know. So if you're driving that ambulance. Maybe pull over. If you're driving an ambulance through town and you hit a red light, what do you do? Stop and wait for it to change to green? No, what you do is you uh, you stop, you put your siren on, and people are supposed to stop anyway when they, when you see an emergency vehicle like that. Mm-hmm. So you just wait until everybody stops and then you proceed through the, the red light. That's how it's supposed to work. Well, you know, so, uh, my wife and I were driving. People don't. People don't. My wife and I were driving out in the country one time, and uh, they were doing some, it was night, they were doing some road repair during the day, but they left the, uh, they had like an automated light that would turn red and green. You'd have to stop, you know. So we're out there in the middle of nowhere, and there's a red light. <laughs> it's like, what the heck? Should I stop and wait till it turns green? We just drove through the light, so. But we didn't have no siren mm-hmm. to do it. So if you're not, if you're not driving the, uh, the uh, the meat wagon you're kind of like uh uh is there always two guys in the ambulance always or did you ever end up alone in there no there's got to be two um it's got to be one that work that has to be in the back at least one in the back and then um one driving the the rig uh-huh so so, so what kind of equipment's well, in the back of that meat wagon well you have a lot of uh you have oxygen um a lot of times you'll have um uh, Electric zappers. Um, yeah, you'll have. Yeah, you'll do. You do have the AED machines. Uh-huh. Um, so, so these yeah, these uh, and... cardiac arrest zappers. You guys have those in the back of the meat wagon. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, so where do you get your energy? Do you get it off the battery of the vehicle, or is it self charging? I mean, uh, there's there's other batteries that are um, besides the the vehicle battery that uh-huh. operates stuff like that in the back. Uh-huh. Like the lights and the, you know. Now, can you guys inj- um, can you guys inject emergency medicine into people or not really? No, not as an EMT. As a paramedic, you could. So, did you ever have so, a paramedic go with you? We were never a paramedic service where I worked. So, oh, okay. Um, but so, like you get into the bigger cities, like say, where do you live, Sheboygan? Maybe Sheboygan has a paramedic service where I they see. can. So how does it work? Like so Narcan. how does this work? They so have Narcan or somebody kills like over that. in the house. <clears throat> okay, my age, they flame out, and uh, somebody call nine one one, and they dispatch you. I mean, how does it work? Well, say whatever you're doing. I mean, you have like ten minutes to get to. I mean, we just have ten minutes to get to the ambulance, and then after ten minutes, if you weren't there, they'd take off without you. But um, who's they? The what do you mean they would take off without you? The other, the other people that are in the group. Oh, I see. So, so they give you ten, the, ten minute have, wait time for you guys so you to have, jump into the ambulance. Right. So you have ten minutes. So um, call goes out. You know, you're wearing a pager. The pager buzz. You got ten minutes to get to the hospital or wherever the ambulance is, and then you load up the rig and the and the way you go. So, so what do you mean you load it up? It's, it's not it's not pre prepared. It doesn't have the oxygen in there. Oh or? yeah, you load it up with you load it up with the the crew and the way you go. I see. So sometimes it's already it's, it's already gassed up and ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's two. Sometimes it's three people. But uh, usually on a, on a small 
small service like that, there's only two. And if you don't show up, you know, then uh, then they'll call out somebody else to come in. So if if you're watching the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter and they paid you and it, you know, somebody's on the three yard line with one minute to go, are you going to rush off and go get in that ambulance? Yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> Did that ever happen so, to you? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So say you're on a shift, right? Mm-hmm. And say you're on like, maybe you're on a six hour shift, maybe you're on a 12 hour shift. And so say it's between, say your shifts between noon and 6 p.m. So, you know, you go through the whole day, there's no calls, no calls. And then one minute to six o'clock, your, your uh, pager goes off, you're responsible for showing up. So, um, and sometimes there's what called, there's what's called transfers. Maybe there's somebody that's at the hospital that has to go to another hospital. So maybe it's four hours away, you know, one minute to, to the time you quit, you get paged out, you have to go. So, so how, how do you decide who drives and who rides shotgun? Well, if you're both EMTs, then it's uh, paper, scissors, rock. But, okay. you know, a lot of times, you know, you could, person driving the ambulance doesn't have to be certified. So, so it makes it easier. So. so let's, so there's two of you. Okay. Do you guys ever have to do a, a Google map on your cell phone to get there? Yes. Is that a yes? <laughs> Hold on. be somebody walking by um yeah i've actually been lost what you've been lost so yeah so what if you do a google map and google takes you to the wrong address then (laughs) then you look like an idiot (laughs) so so do you guys have maps inside the emt bus there the beat wagon the ambulance Mm -hmm. um yeah, actually, actually, there, there's actually, there's a, a, say the county that you work in, right? There's a map, there's a map right in the, uh, the ambulance um, office. So basically, before you go out, if you don't know where you're going, you need to look at the map. So can you, can you call a dispatch center and say I'm lost? Oh, sure. Yeah. You ever done that? Say, what was that address again? What was that address again? Um well, you know, what was the color of the house, you know, things like that. Okay, so let's so you can get pretty, let's, you can get pretty specific. Let's say that, uh, you know, I flamed out and I'm laying there on the couch going cold. My wife, what should she do? I mean, uh, should she call 911? Should she call the police? Should she call the hospital? Should she call the funeral home? And does she have I mean, to? You having a heart? I mean, if you're uh, having a uh, cardiac arrest, yeah, yeah, what should she do? Mm-hmm. Oh, she needs to call nine one one. Okay, and they what do they what do they do? They call you, they page. Yeah, you? then they dispatch it. Yeah, then they page. So they don't necessarily page no. the cops; they page the EMT. Is that right? Well, the cops get it too. I mean, usually the cops are are there before anybody else. Oh, I see. And um, uh, so, who pays for and the? There's also who, what's called. Who pays for the ambulance ride? person that calls oh so they do charge but here's the other yeah oh yeah i mean it's not cheap either okay i mean you pick up that phone call and it's probably if you have to take somebody to the hospital it's going to be a minimum of 700 dollars. so so how do you is there um, any, any way to avoid that fee that charge yeah i was never really on the accounting end of it but 
I mean, as long as you set foot in that ambulance, mm-hmm. you know, I would think that the, uh, and you get to the ER, you are, you're going to pay for it. So <clears throat> unless you're, unless you're like title 19, which means you don't have any, which means you don't, um, you know, you're on state run insurance, okay. then they probably pay for it. That so, yeah. So it's just better for your wife to, uh, uh, you know, stick you on a, you know, on a uh, wheelbarrow, take you out to the car, throw you in the back, drive you to the ER herself, right? And that way you save the 700 bucks, but then you might be dead by the time you get there. Right. And that happens. People will bring in somebody that's, you know, hurt or burned or, mm-hmm. you know, if you're having a cardiac, if you're having a cardiac arrest, you're dead weight. So I don't think your wife's going to be able to pick you up. Okay. So, Tell me about DNR. You called it DNR. What does that stand for? Do not resuscitate. Okay, so what's that all about? Well, it's a directive. Um, so you've decided personally that if you are having cardiac arrest, then you do not want to be re- resuscitated. Just let it, <laughs> basically saying, just let me die. Mm-hmm. So basically, that's what it means. So let's say you're an EMT. Um, do you guys have to do the CPR thing on somebody who who has a D- DNR? So if you get a, a 911 call and you go out to somebody's house because they're having cardiac arrest, yeah, and uh, they have a directive, you do not perform CPR on them. Well, what if you did? And usually, what's that? What if you did perform CPR on them? Well, there's a chance that you, if there's a chance you could get sued. I the see. hospital could get sued or the ambulance service could get sued. But usually what happens is somebody has uh, a DNR, they're supposed to put it on the refrigerator. So when you come in, um, you can look on the refrigerator, see if they got it. Uh, maybe they have a bracelet. I know tattooing is also an option, but... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so you get a DNR tattooed but, on your forehead or something? <laughs> that's right. Leave me alone. Um, but I was on a call one time where where there was that directive, and uh, um, the guy's daughter was there, and she tried to do whatever she could to talk us into resuscitating this patient. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't do it. You you can load you load the patient load the patient up, and you put them in the back of the ambulance, and you have to make the make the patient comfortable. Like you you have to give them oxygen or you know, put a blanket on them, but you cannot perform CPR or or use an AED on them. So basically, you're just letting them letting them die. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of uh, a hard decision. It's kind of a hard decision when you're working on somebody's you know pleading with you to, to save another person's life, and you can't do it. So have you had to do mouth to mouth on some guy you don't know? You know. That's kind of an old. That's kind of an old. Um, Wives' tale. Yeah, it used to be that you had that was that was part of the routine. But when I was doing it, it was never part of the routine. It was just you know doing chest compressions was the most important, um, which is basically getting the blood flow to the brain. Um, and the oxygen part was never important. No. So, there was, I guess there was a lot of that going on through the years that, that really wasn't that significant, so they changed it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you guys I've just... Done, I've done a lot of CPR. Oh, you have? So mm-hmm. 
and what, 80. What are you thinking while you're on, while you're straddling a guy doing chest compressions? Are you thinking, man, I can't wait to get home and eat a eat a hamburger? I mean, what are you thinking about? Well, you're thinking about is he gonna make it? Uh huh. That's what you're thinking about. Because when you're doing chest compressions, you're looking into somebody's eyes. Yeah. You can see that their eyes are lifeless. Huh. And here's the other thing, right? Here's the other thing. Say you're say you're having a, a cardiac arrest and your and your wife and your wife calls. Yeah. Nine one one. Say you go out to you start performing CPR and your wife's standing over you. Yeah. While you're doing it. Yeah. It's kind of a weird feeling. Oh, so they're watching you give them CPR. That's a weird feeling. That's a weird feeling. Yeah. Like. Like so, this person's wife is this person's wife, you know, possibly is in your hands, and this loved one is standing over you. Yeah. Um, you know, hoping that you can bring somebody back. You ever prayed for a person who's laying there in cardiac arrest? Not out loud. Not out loud. No. So, what's your prayer when you when you're praying? God help me not to freak out. Well, that's part of it, you know, because it's pretty it's pretty high stress. When you think about it, uh-huh. you know, trying to sa- trying to save somebody's life. So, and, uh, when the both of you are on the way over to the uh, appointment where somebody is comped out, are you guys is your adrenaline flowing? Are you getting hepped up like you used to do for a football game? Are yeah, you. Are you guys talking to each other, trying pretty, to trying to get each other motivated? It's pretty high adrenaline, but the, the EMT will get in the back and he'll get his bag ready. Make sure he's got everything in his bag, maybe the oxygen, you know, gloves, stuff like that. Make sure he's got everything. So when he gets out of the ambulance, you know, when he goes out to see the patient, he doesn't have to run back to the ambulance for anything. So it's kind of like a self-contained bag. Um, and basically, if you can, you're, you're asking questions, you know, about the person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if you're not... The thing is, if you're not there within 10 minutes, it's probably uh-huh. a good chance that person's not going to make it. Uh-huh. So, so if a guy so they have what's called the first, so they have what's called the first responder too. So maybe maybe you're uh, EMT, but you so, know you get you hear the call and you go out and you're not on the ambulance, and maybe you're there in the beginning and you're able to get there before the ambulance does, and you're performing CPR. So, do you guys play? Do you guys play heavy metal music inside the ambulance on your way over there to get motivated? Um, I think so. I think oh. there's a lot of, uh, I mean, voices are usually raised. Uh-huh. You know, we're talking loud, but it's a lot of cooperation. Um, you know, have, have you ever had to fight, like, somebody's dog off him when you're off you while you're trying to do CPR? A dog? Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think that ever has happened. I don't think that ever happened to me. Um, I think a lot of mailmen experience I've, that. I've had to, I've had to move a lot of uh, furniture and refrigerators and you know things like that in order to get somebody out of the room. You know, okay, not well, everybody's built the same. Okay, so let's say that uh, jealous husband breaks in on his wife committing adultery in her home, <laughs> takes out a handgun, shoots the perp, and then you do you get a call on that deal? Yeah, but we're not. We're the ambulance people are never allowed to go in before the cops. Uh-huh. So, I mean, we we will not go into anything unless we know that it's safe first. So, okay, but you can walk in on so the, a, a pretty ugly scene, I take it. Oh yeah, there's there's a lot of ugly stuff out there. Okay, so let's um, I, let's say a guy is uh, 
You know, he didn't join Overeaters Anonymous. He weighs 500 pounds. Have you ever had to haul him out of there, put him in the meat wagon? Uh, yeah. How do you do that? I mean, without I without breaking your back. Well, through a thirty-two inch through can. a thirty-two inch door. What kind of equipment do you have? Sometimes so I've heard I've heard guys having to be taken out on a on a, on a front loader tractor before. They're so big. <laughs> oh, jeez. But yeah, I've had to move refrigerators, and yeah, I've been down basements. Can you imagine a large person down the basement and having oh. to take them out? Oh my goodness! How do you guys do it? Do you guys have like a gurney? Do you have like a? Yeah, you have different types of gurneys, you know, that you can push, and but sometimes you have to call in other people to come and help. Oh, really? Sure. Yeah, you got somebody down in the basement, and there's only two of you, and these these people are are dead weight. There's a good chance you're not going to get them out of the basement without hurting yourself. So you just got to know the right time to call and say, you know, I need some uh, assistance here some help we got a person in the basement and they'll send over you know police department or, you know sometimes the fire department goes out too if it's a car accident so uh-huh. extracting somebody out of the vehicle yeah <laughs> i guess the worst i guess the worst thing ever i guess i guess the worst thing that i ever <clears throat> ever saw was being called on a being called out on a car accident, being in a small community, uh-huh. and knowing and knowing the person that was in the, in the vehicle, oh, it kind of hits home with you. Yeah, had so a couple you... guys, had a couple guys that, you know, that would be bad. Um, I know yeah, that one uh... guy was, who was a really good customer. Had one guy who was a really good customer of mine, uh-huh. and uh, had another kid, the young kid, got killed in a traffic accident. Played church softball with him, so. I know my so wife's my wife's one. nephew is a cop, and uh, he had to do an accident. Somebody he knew, and it it uh, it made him, uh, you know, get out of that business. He couldn't. That's not what he could handle personally. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it affects you. Okay, I'm gonna I mean, I I'm gonna shift gears away from the EMT thing, <clears throat> and you wanted to talk about Genesis chapter three today. Um, what's on what's on your mind about that? Well, you know, Genesis three it talks about the fall of man, right? Uh huh. And um, I guess the part that really really uh, intrigues me is the part where I don't know if it's I don't have it in front of me, but it's either verse sixteen or seventeen where God talks about <clears throat> because how man had now sinned is now going to toil in the dirt for the rest of his life. And that always kind of strikes me because toil in the dirt means you're going to be working. You're going to be working like a dog all your life. And the other part that always, always got me was um, that the woman is always going to chase you. Okay, I'll read it here. I'm going to start in Genesis 3.15. The Lord says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head. You shall bruise his heel. Verse 16 says to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Verse 17. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. 
in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread uh, till you return to the ground for you uh, for out of it you were taken you for you are dust and to dust you shall return that's the passage right yeah so i mean i think men are pretty much motivated or you know they they're out there working all the time um and i think that's that's the curse it's like you have to work you're always working and to simplify it i think it's you know the wife is always saying well when you come home this and that she's always kind of chasing the man but he's always out there doing what he needs to do to provide for his family and so so it's kind of a cycle i think every 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 person goes through that who's who's married well i know men like to work because they get most of their feel goods from working or positive feedback maybe some don't you right know? um women on the other hand uh it seems to me they get their approval from their husbands which is what they seem to to look for um so you know i've been married 46 years i always say i've been married 46 years one of them happily i think it took us 14 years to stop trying to change each other <laughs> you know uh you know all of a sudden you find out that the person that you uh thought was so wonderful has some uh has some warts which we all do but uh i think it's hard today to put together a long-lasting marriage what do you think well definitely i mean i think I think the, uh, so many women are out there working now, right? Mm -hmm. The man and the woman are working, and the roles are kind of cloudy as to the way that maybe God intended it to be. So I think there's a lot of a lot of confusion. Yeah, confusion. People changing their identities today. They want to be right. They want to be something you know that uh, maybe it's not in God's plan. Exactly. So I think I think it's. It's, it's like you say, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult anyway, you know, to be married, but in, in today's culture, I think it's, you know, even more so because of the cloudy. I, I find that most people pick up their, most people pick up their culture off the television set <laughs> that uh, somehow that produces a normal view of culture. And I really, I really struggle with that myself personally. Right. Well, I always look at it this way: Are you are you Christ-centered or are you culture-centered? Yeah, you, know, you believe in what God says, or you believe in what, like what, you say, the TV says. What the New York media tells you to believe, yeah. Right. Or Hollywood. And there's so much of it. There, and we're bombarded. We're so bombarded today about everything. Well, I think kids, especially, I think especially young men, really have a hard time with their male identity, and it just seems like the culture wants to rob them of that uh, masculinity. You know, they want to create. A, oh. They want to create sure. a, a, feminine, a feminine man, but yet a woman doesn't really want a feminine man. Yeah, it's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? It is. I mean, we are intimidating to them because, you know, the deep voice and we got fur growing off our face, you know, and where our, our build and our muscles are different, you know, and uh, it's it can be intimidating, you know, it's like you being a uh, having Napoleon complex, you know, seeing a, a big guy. A, <laughs> A big guy that you want to take out because he's bigger than you. I'm sure there's some of that in women. Well, sometimes you got to survive too. Um, okay, so we've we're not going very far with that topic. So uh, I'll just uh, throw one more 
uh, topic in there. Let, let's talk about uh, NBA basketball. Do you follow NBA basketball at all? Um, I haven't this year not very much, but I've watched it. The Minnesota Timberwolves. They say that they want to do the playoffs because of coronavirus in Las Vegas, with no with no uh, with no people in the in the uh, audience. What do you think of that? Would you tune into that? Well, you don't really see the audience. You really don't see the audience when you're watching it on TV anyway. Well, how about so that? I guess that would really, how about really that? wouldn't bother me. How about that super fan from Toronto, the guy wearing the turban all the time? They, they threw in on him all the time. And then here in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. they got a guy, a lawyer that runs these commercials incessantly on everything. Uh, Gruber Law Offices, one call, that's all. They show him sitting in the front row at all the Milwaukee Bucks games all the time. So there's there are there is some audience uh, playback, you know. Yeah, or the guy in New York, what's his name? Oh, oh yeah, there. Spike Lee. Yeah, or Jack Nicholson for the, the LA Lakers. The super the super fans, right? Mm-hmm. And they're already, but these people are already celebrities anyway, right? Well, I know the so guy in Toronto, he's a car dealer. He's he's a Sikh. He uh, wears that turban to the games, you know. I, I, thought, I thought. Oh, I'm thinking of the other guy. That's a rapper. Oh, Drake. Yeah. Isn't yeah. he a Toronto guy? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. You're right. So I mean that's why they they get the best seats. So that's why you see him. Mm-hmm. And they always put the camera on him, like, look who's watching the game. Mm-hmm. I mean if you or I were sitting down there, I don't think they put the camera on us. Mm-hmm. So do you think being a Timberwolves fan is like being a Vikings fan? Is it futile? Do they do skull at the Timberwolves games? You know, I've I have not I've been to one Timberwolves game in my life. And I don't, I don't really remember much about it. I, I've watched it on TV, but it's, it's, it's worse than the Vikings. You know, it really is. There's something similar between Wisconsin and Minnesota. You think about it, University of Wisconsin, their mascot is a badger, okay, which is a mean animal. But how do you explain University of Minnesota having a gopher as a mascot? And, and since I brought up the Gophers, didn't we go to a University of North Dakota Fighting Sioux hockey game at UW-Minnesota, the Gopher game? Didn't you and I go to that one time on a bus, a fun bus? Yeah, we did. Well, what happened on that trip? <laughs> I think he tried to leave me there. I think that's what happened. You don't remember what happened? I think he took, I think, I think he took my clothes. <laughs> Was it just you? There was four of us. I got up. Yeah, but I think he took you took you you took my clothes. Now that I remember it, you took my clothes and another guy's clothes, and then you called the room and said, "Yeah, the bus is ready to leave. You better get get dressed and get going." <laughs> what did you guys do? <laughs> were you mad? No, we were pretty happy about it. <laughs> I yeah, remember. we were mad. I remember your faces when you got on the bus. Oh, yeah? Well, we got snowed in that night, so we had. they took us to a hotel. We got into a hotel room, and we stayed overnight, and then they left early in the morning. You guys didn't have no clothes to put on <laughs> to get on the bus. <laughs> All I, could, I, I remember your faces, <laughs> you and Gordy for cool, and uh, I forget the name of the other guy. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, you're pretty mean, actually. I don't know. Yeah. You remember the time he went? Remember the time he went fishing at the Lake of the Woods? I never went to the Lake of the Woods. You're thinking of somebody uh-huh. else. Uh huh. Uh huh. Don't you remember we bought? Don't you remember we rented that tent? 
What the heck? We rented that tent. That, we rented that tent. It was probably me, you, and and uh, that other guy. Anyway. Gordy. And uh, we packed up the car and we went. Remember that tent had a lot of patches on it. Huh? I don't remember this. Yeah, it was like a cheap tent, and uh, we we're driving. We were driving up to the Lake of the Woods, and I think it was that night. Uh-huh. And I don't know if we were lost or whatever, but we were on a gravel road, and there was a female moose that we almost hit. I don't remember this at all. Yeah. And then we rented a boat. And all we did was hit sandbars <laughs> with the boat. <laughs> and, then at, and then at night, we set, up, we set up the tent, right? Yeah. And so one night, we're out set up the tent and we hear all these all this all this commotion going on outside the tent and we're trying to figure out what it was so we're listening you know and we didn't know if it was a bear or whatever and i got i got close to, to the opening of the tent and uh i was listening and pretty soon you came up from behind me and pushed me out the tent <laughs> now i remember this <laughs> do you remember that i was mean Oh man! I can see that. I thought this... my sisters were mean. I thought my sisters were mean. Well, they but... were the meanest. That's how I got mean. They they were huh? mean. To, they were mean to me. That's how I got mean. It just yeah. it just rolled downhill because you were younger. Yeah. So you you just kind of left me for the wolves or for the bear or whatever. It was and, probably uh, a raccoon. Huh? That's... No, there was a lot of commotion. It, it it was it was pretty significant. It could have been a couple of raccoons. I don't know. We didn't know. Right? Yeah, probably, I guess so. It was, probably, it was probably the first time we had ever been camping, right? Because <clears throat> the tent, the tent looked like it was from, uh, looked like a World War II tent or World War One tent. <clears throat> and it had so many holes over there that they patched it. So we rented this tent, right? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so those are two, those are two good experiences with you, Dwight. All right. Well, um, we'll 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 keep going on here, Jeff. All right. Well, thanks for your time today, and uh, hopefully this this I think this EMT stuff will really help some people. So I appreciate all your knowledge about it, Jeff. Well, you're welcome. All right. Um, so we're gonna. So anyways, so we're signing off here. So we'll see you next time. This is Dwight. See you next week. All right. Hopefully. Okay. You've been listening to Rewind. This is a podcast where old guys can pass on what they know. We're praying for the next generation. <laughs>